0: Hello, I'm proud to announce that this is the final chapter The next chapter I'll be reading is called The War Has Already Been Won, The Final Battle Let me sit down for this (laughs) How events have turned around in my life That has had an impact on how I view the world around me it is not so much that my circumstances have been favorable to me oh my god this is a long chapter bear with me it is not so much that my circumstances have been favorable to me but i have been surprised myself how i am handling the incessant obstacles that seem to have sprung out of nowhere but please allow me to explain as it is already known, I re-entered the master's social work program at Plessy University. Despite this, I was finally moving out of my apartment, having no sure place to transition to because my effort of finding my own apartment failed. Though I interviewed at a couple of housing agencies, none of the none of them contacted me back. I made up in my mind that I would just renew my lease, that I would not renew my lease I would take a huge risk to follow my heart, not knowing where I would wound up, but holding on for dear life for the promise God made me that he will always be with me no matter wh- and never let me go. In that moment of uncertainty, I remained undeterred, keeping myself from falling into depression as I devoted my time to my schoolwork, not concentrating on the fact that I was finally being left to fend for myself in the wilderness. I packed my belongings, put the remaining of my furniture in storage, and moved into a shelter on the south side of the Bronx. I tried finding a roommate situation, and I did find a French guy who lived in Washington Heights who agreed that I could move in with him when my lease was up but then he decided at the last minute to prolong my move in for another month stating that he was out of town he has out of town guests staying for a week and he did not want to inconvenience me mind you i'm looking for a place to stay (laughs) these people in new york are just (laughs) oh but i digress. I was a bit relieved he pushed the date because I was not all that comfortable considering he was a nudist and decided to conduct the interview completely nude and said that he often hosted nudist parties and hoped that I wouldn't have a problem with that. (laughs) I did not like the idea of waking up having my morning omelet with a pork sausage, but I was desperate and agreed to remain in the shelter for another month till he was ready for, for me to move in. I had nowhere else to turn but the shelter system, so I humbled myself in hopes that I would move into this nudist place within a month. Nothing before me seemed safe or secure. I numbed myself through the shock of being technically homeless and went out each evening drinking in in bars and eating out in restaurants just to take my mind off the reality that my life was... That my living situation was precarious and dangerous considering winter was approaching and my biggest fear was being homeless during the winter months as shelters are already normally full to capacity and not to mention dangerous. I tried to sedate this doubtful feeling, the despair of not living in a more, to living in a more dangerous neighborhood. Oh, South Bronx was horrible. That was inconveniently located next to a liquor store and across from my housing projects from sunup to sundown, people lined up faithfully to buy their liquid breakfast. I had no maneuver around the heroin, I had to maneuver around the heroin and meth addicts looking for their next score and the forgotten elders playing their one shot at hitting the lotto in hopes of getting out of the ghetto. How did I end up here? I asked myself. Each time I stepped off the train at Jackson Avenue Station heading to a place I knew I did not fit in, belonged, nor desired. That was the beginning of me numbing myself to avoid sinking back into depression and stopping my life-sustaining medications, since the feeling of hopelessness was directly connected to my feelings of self-worth, determining my will to live. I managed to get through it, but it was starting to... look like as if I would need to remain in the shelter system because the French dudes ignored my calls and then I stopped hearing from him. Going through the system of housing program agencies proved unreliable as the application process dragged on and they needed more and more documents that virtually got me nowhere secure in time. I decided to walk into a room for a rent apartment agency, hoping that they would help me link me to a roommate prospect. On the very last day of my one month of being in the shelter, my luck turned and I found a roommate that lived on the Upper West Side, near Central Park. This was the most opportune arrangement because I had been hoping to move to Harlem and to be closer to Central Park. God blessed me to be able to live in my favorite neighborhood within walking distance of everything that I love. Then it made sense why the French guy did not work out. I can now go to the park each morning and sip my lattes, feeling grateful that all had not been forgotten, and God was still walking with me through the wilderness. I knew it was time to ex- exit the shelter when someone overdosed on a heroin and died in the floor above me. Life had given me lemons, and I knew how to make lemonade, but life did not taste so sweet but bittersweet, because though I had secure a room, I was now dealing with another setback at school. <laughs> What I thought would be an easy transition back into grad school turned into a nightmare. I was forced to wait on the department to find me an internship for four weeks, turned into eight weeks, which quickly turned into 12 weeks. It was not until the last two weeks of the semester ended that I finally was able to interview and receive a start date at an agency in Brooklyn over an hour away from my place. Though I continued to harass the faculty from the assistant dean down to the new field director that were in no hurry to secure an intern prospect in a reasonable time frame. I even wrote several times to the VA complaining the complaint line, complaining of the possible discrimination in hopes that they would help me by forcing the school to speed up the process. But they wrote back, explaining that there was nothing they could do. The new director of field placement continued to give me the runaround and was very rude to me, even ignoring my emails, all the while telling me the school was 100 percent committed to my success and only wanted to make sure that i graduated but because i did not start my search before the fall semester was more difficult placing students in agencies which sounded like crap considering they had all summer to inform me that i would be back into the program i would now need to intern three months past my graduation date in order to be conferred my diploma (laughs) in that moment the new director turned into the wicked witch of the north and an arctic wind needed to sail her lying ass to the Hudson Bay. She treated me no different than an old than the old director, and I realized she was being used by the devil to prolong my field prospect. <clears throat> but what was her motivation? I had no idea. In the meantime, I went out often to drink my cares away, to take my mind off the prospect of not earning the required 300 field hours I needed for the semester. Yet I felt perhaps God was trying to communicate to me the social work was not where I wanted. he wanted me to be placed in my life, and possibly he created this situation to dissuade me yet again. The director refused to remove my current grade of unsatisfactory on my transcript until I completed my field hours successfully which seemed strange considering it was not my fault I had no field placement, but the department's. It was clear God was speaking to me that he was just moving me in a new direction. The department had effectively managed to box me in yet again, making me feel I had no other option whether to go along with their program or kiss my degree goodbye. Giving up was not an option for me because I had trained myself to just never give up, but I was being attacked but the feeling of not wanting to live in New York any longer, and the feeling never went away. Though I now lived in a perfect neighborhood, I didn't want to be there. All the while, I maintained a positive outlook and only expressed my anger and frustrations when I went out to the park to talk to God. I did not spend nearly the amount of time as before complaining and crying because I knew my problems were happening as a result to strengthen me. I was never fearful that they would attempt to put me out again, but I was anxious about graduating in time because I had officially made it in had it with new york and i just wanted to move away from these madness the bound doubtful feeling soon dissipated because i knew god was in control how i knew i would be able to succeed anyway because my faith and this newfound confidence to let go of control and live in the moment this road has not been easy (laughs) <laughs> and I slowly fell back into old toxic behavior, smoking weed and drinking and engaging in unprotected sex, but nearly not on the level as before. I was fed up and was, very, and was finally ready for change in my life. New York had run its course, and I had considered moving closer to family and away from an expensive city that has been eating my wallet. It was unfair to be going through this issue with the school when I was so close to graduating. How did I allow the school to play me once again? And why did I not follow my first instincts to leave New York when I had the chance? I did, not want, to gra- I did want to graduate. My intentions were good. I changed my entire outlook. I even changed my entire wardrobe so I could fit into the culture. And look like the peers all in an effort not to appear different. But no matter how I tried to blend in, I never truly was in hiding because there was a greatness that eluded my haters, all wishing to dim my light. The obstacles created a dilemma now because I was forced to rectify with the prospect of staying in a program that I know was being discriminative against. And they used every tactic possible to slow my progress, even assigning me several field instructors then kicking me out of my seminar course, explaining that they needed to reassign me because I missed more than three days of class. It was a miracle I did not lose my mind and become depressed, but I was wiser this time. This was emotionally draining, yes, and I did not want to keep fighting the school for what was rightfully mine. I reasoned I would apply to another institution where I would be able to finish my internship without the headache of living in New York. I would not allow this setback to stop me, but life pushes us to make certain crucial decisions, which can seem contrary to what we originally planned. But as one door closes, another one always opens, just the same as Faith, and had opened the door for me to walk back into Plessy. When I thought my education was finally over, I was now prepared to walk out the same door to find a new door. It is amazing the school showed their true colors when they first left me in the gray area where I didn't know for sure where I was, what I was dealing with. But when some people tell you who they are, believe them. Pilo Kolho writes in The Alchemist. Everything that happens once can never happen again. But everything that happens twice will surely happen again. End quote. I made my appeal to God. Going to nature each morning, thanking him for his grace and mercy. I was truly thankful for the life I had been afforded to live. I'm thankful for the new opportunities, and I do not doubt that God is capable to work any situation out in my life. But I now felt that he was asking me to decide once and for all do I follow my heart and quit the grad school and move out of New York or continue to fight the good fight? Knowing now the matter has predominated, any hopes of finishing my degree in good conscience. While keeping my sanity in a way, I feel this was a test of growth and patience, and I feel that I have healed myself from my impulsivity, but I could not stand by idly and watch this school prolong my progress while dictating every aspect of this process for me. I was never allowed to choose my own internship. And not only did they force me to accept the agency that they offered, I never had an opportunity to ask for another in- interview with another agency because they were bent on dictating and controlling where I, where I was allowed to work. They managed to find me a placement where I would not even be working with clients face-to-face, but only conducting over-the-phone intakes, which was undesirable, but I had no other choice but to accept it considering I was three months behind. Not only did I feel disrespected, but I felt invalidated and still this African-American director spoke to me like a I, like I did not deserve my degree, even becoming aggressive when I came to her office to inquire about interviewing with another agency. It felt as though she wanted me to become upset with her so she could use it against me. but her tactics did not work though she talked down to me as if I was doing her doing me a, as she was doing me a favor. It is like life did not want me to feel completely comfortable. And the more I fought to maintain in school, remain in school, I feel I could just be using my energy to change my life for good and attempt life someplace else. I was seeing clearly that this was how the enemy works. He uses what is near and dear to us to distract us from what God wants from us. But it was what I wanted now. I would change my entire environment, removing myself as far from toxic people in places that has consumed me and tried to take me over my will. Perhaps God was keeping problems around so that I have always reminded how bad it can be. During the Christmas recess, my mind encouraged me to book a flight to Atlanta. I had never been to Georgia, so I was confused to why I now had this strong impulse to go to Atlanta, but I took the risk and booked the flight despite my reservations. This was being available for life. So I never need to feel that I have no options while being trapped within the four corners of a square box with no possible way of going outside that box. A big part of me still wanted to attach to the familiar. But if God could uproot me out of this desolate land and place my foot on solid ground in a place in an an effort to reveal how unpredictable he is, why should I continue to rely on things that change with the wind? God hopes are undying and does not fade with the changing seasons like my new attitude about staying in school and remaining in New York. Those aspirations were dead in me and I no longer had the incentive as I once had entered had entering back into the MSW program. I saw clearly that it was possibly not what God planned was for me, but he used it as a way <clears throat> to get me to rejoice and bless the name of the man who is capable of making everything possible by going exceedingly above and beyond my wildest expectations, showing me all hope was not lost, and I could continue my education through the prospect though the prospect of ever going back to Plessy once seemed impossible. In the book Selected Writings and Speeches of Marcus Garvey, Marcus Garvey quotes, Education is not so much the school that one has passed through, but the use one makes of that which he has learned, quote. My confidence had improved since my undergraduate years, and I was no longer stricken with anxieties of failing, but I was much more confident and assured in my abilities, On the final day of the semester, I had another class presentation where I admitted to being an alcoholic in front of my entire class. But I also focused on the emotional component of healing myself and how loving myself was the impetus toward my struggle with sobriety. I discovered how intelligence drove me to reach deep within myself to pull out that jewel I never knew existed but only needed polishing. I carried that jewel around my neck letting it dangle over my heart, granting me protection, love, mercy, grace, amplifying intentions, and manifesting clarity. But I would never have discovered this had I not taken another chance to succeed in life. God knew there was a something evil around, uh, already established within the institution and used those evil spirits to give me the spiritual workout as I trained for the championship to win myself back over. I saw myself being somewhere between my opponent and the finish line, and I knew allowing what was behind me to slow me down or throw me off, I would never finish that race. I surely could not win first place if I allowed courage to betray me. Just as God placed me with the opportunity to go back to graduate school, I needed to be fully prepared to receive the gold medal to claim my title and the championship. In this reflective moment, I needed to take drastic steps to begin to cut those people, places, and things hanging off me like a dead limb, slowing the regenerative, regenerative, oh God, regenerative process. If this meant taking a break from grad school and resuming it later, I was prepared to take a break, but now it would be on my own accord. That means packing up all my things and moving away from everything familiar to me since moving to New York. Then I was prepared to take such a leap. If I wound up in the more precarious situation, then so be it. The goal is to just change my life for good. All this needed was faith. I needed to break from this disappointment of needing things to work out in my life. Yet everyone having control of the button to activate every hailstorm erupting in my life. God... What are you speaking to me about this time? Why is my progress being delayed? Most importantly, why was I still not yet sober? Was it now necessary to move in order to find sobriety? I love you, God, and I love my life, but I am tired of having decisions that later seem like mistakes. This only caused more frustration and emotional damage in the long run. I pray to God that I am hearing correctly because I want to step into 2020 knowing that I am following my own heart and following it with good intentions. I no longer put my hopes in earning a title knowing now that I was not fully prepared to take on the responsibilities of someone with a master's degree when I was still not sober. I was too stubborn and scared to know when enough was enough. By admitting to myself I simply cannot devote my life to sobriety allowing the demand of my circumstances to pull me back into the world of unregulated drug use and unrestrained sex. I saw the implication from both sides of the coin and in the end, I had to do what was best for me, considering nothing is promised. If indeed I was being forced to make a decision whether to leave New York, as I saw no possible way of feeling content in New York, I needed to make a courage, courageous leap of faith and trust that if God walked me into New York, he can surely walk me out. On this next journey, if I left, I would do it on my own volition, not begrudging the tactics used against me to force me out, but valuing myself enough to say enough is enough because I know my worth. I know God makes provisions, and I thought he would be free from the vectors while in school, but I have felt no peace since I walked back on the campus of Plessy. Though I was stronger, I now needed to strengthen my faith even more to learn to hear God when he wants me to change course. I could overlook the red flags and keep tolerating the bullcrap, but what would be the purpose now that I was free from the worry of not earning a master's degree? Now that the prospect of failure is not contingent on me terminating my personal obligations to finish what I started, no matter what, because it is in the journey that I have learned something more valuable, and that is to just choose me first. (laughs) Had I not gone back into the program, I would not have known what it means to have pursued deeper facets of myself. And by digging, I found courage and wisdom and intellectual depth that reached far beyond my wildest expectations. Had I not gone through the process of losing myself, I would still be talking about writing a book. Had I not been pulled and stretched to my capacity, I would not have faced my internal demons and took responsibility for the way I treated myself and others. Though I am the same person, I wear quite a different mask, one who knows both sides of the coin because it has fallen upside down so many tries before. But I need to keep flipping the coin in order to get it right up. And with grace, I am giving more than one chance to make it right My new prayer is for God to continue to walk with me and guide me. And when I stray away, as most do in this game of life, I know it's not because I do not have the internal resources to affect change in a new environment, but because the demons never left unless I change radically. And that means being completely sober and not falling back into temptation that do not feed me spiritually. Today is not about focusing on the negative, but living for the present day and being grateful for God's provisions since nothing can be foreseen. Negativity cannot be avoided, but Lord, help me to understand. Help to understand why the here and the now is dependent on the near future. What if I cannot stand to get to the future for feeling emotionally be down by the now? I have not given up on myself, but I'm over school. I asked myself, would it be worth pushing through the next seven to eight months, dealing with the grime of this city, paying all of the living expenses that has depleted my pockets only to remain in a space that never validated me? It is a coping strategy at this point where I do not where I do what I need to do to survive. I've been offensively disappointed by the treatment and lies told to me by the faculty of the department, and I'm beginning to resent it now, and the the intentions of the school is beyond repair. I need to get away from this rude society. I need to escape this hostile environment and go back to something less strenuous on my sensibilities. The life I wanted in New York, I am willing to leave it all behind. I was supposed to have my manuscript in publishing at this point, and it's not. I was supposed to have gra- be graduated and now working for a youth agency, and I am no longer employed. I was supposed to have my own apartment, and I'm recently coming out of homelessness, living with a middle-aged female who is an alcoholic and bothers me constantly. <laughs> Most importantly, I thought I would find sobriety, and all I have settled for are remedies to not drinking excessively, which is progress, but it is not enough. I do not... Feel like I've failed, but I just feel like I must be going in the wrong direction because it shouldn't have to be this hard to just accomplish what I know I am capable of getting accomplished. I did not think this frustration would be here at this point, and I can only see it as a sign that God needs to just me to move. Maybe God was finally answering my prayers and allowing me to go to school, go back, go to a place where I can finally feel free in my environment, where it matches how I feel on the inside. I am not afraid to start over. I am afraid of not hearing God accurately and making a mistake. One part of me feels I would be giving up on myself. The other half reasons. I should just be able to do what the hell I want. If God walks with me, there will always be new doors to open. Maybe God wanted to keep me isolated from having support at this school so I would not have a reason to excuse the fact that I am simply faking my contentment on the account of remaining in a school that does not validate me. And for what? I must ask myself, is it all worth it? Some people cannot afford to go to college. And here I am earning a master's degree and I'm squandering it. But for absolute freedom at this point, was this the opposite of gratefulness? Am I not being grateful for being tired of fighting against this system? Will God move me into another institution or should I just give up this social work thing up? These last few months have been annoying as hell, to say the least. I have cried and griped to God, begging for his pressure to let up. Why was I still having this internal struggle? How could I interpret the series of events arising out of the ashes, clouding my judgments and attacking my senses in a way that nearly paralyzes me to where I feel nothing over the situation? I feel no guilt by wanting to quit. I am tired of fighting for this degree, and I feel everyone around me are only ingratiating me telling me what I want to hear so they I remain under the pretense that I am being supported when it's only another setback to prolong the inevitable. Actions speak louder than words and the school's actions have not reflected what was told to me before going back into the institution. Otherwise I would have rejected the offer and came back and, and come back into the program. What I needed now was a vacation to be in a different energy away from New York. Then I can see how i Feel about relocating. I will make the New York. I. <clears throat> I will make the New Year about me and what I want to do. I have learned what I needed to learn in this place, and now I feel I needed to keep it moving. No one is holding a gun to me. I just need to do what I wanted. I just need to do what I know is right. Thing. This experience has worn me thin, and I'm over it. I do not feel sad or angry or bitter. I simply just want to. I simply want my lived experience to change. It is about me now, and I want my carefree spirit back. I denied it for so long, but it is obvious that it is hard for me to live sober and feel content with problems and continue to keep fighting. I had no idea I was equipped for this level of fighting, and now I want to drop my weapon and walk off the battlefield. Surrender is knowing. Surrender is knowing when to fold the cards and admit not to defeat but when you do not have the hand to keep playing and winning i also think about what this life could change look like possibly moving to atlanta and if it is a right time for such a change my vision is blurred and i am racing against the time to feel completely safe never mind finding adequate employment but simply feeling safe in my own skin seems like a task I fight to maintain the most basic comforts, but I am tired of lying to myself. I am not happy here in New York. I have never been truly happy here, and no matter how much I go out and enjoy the city, it will never erase the fact that my experiences have been the most aggravating, to say the least, and I deserve better. Again, it is not about earning a degree. It is not about living in Central Park. It is not even about giving up. I just do not care about none of it. I want my life to feel normal than to continue fighting for success. I want to go back to this simple life and be in a space where I am not tossed around like, the, like a wrecking ball when it threatens to knock down the foundation that I worked hard to build. I know now this madness will not end unless I do something drastic. I will never know what new opportunities awaits unless I give myself a chance. I'm not afraid to take a risk, to find a new path and make a new life for myself and, that is progress. I did finish my book. What else am I obliged to do for God? Now I will make a decision. I'm going to leave this city if it's the last thing I do. Nothing here supports me. I have to fight everyone students in the classroom, teachers who undermine my intelligence and don't hear me, at a department that thinks I am not competent and neither qualified, though I have done everything I can think of to change my attitude and perspective. Despite this, I'm much happier with myself. I am more patient, have more empathy, I hold no resentment, hate, animosity, or disgust toward anyone. But the negativity will not leave from around me, choosing to hang around and annoy me. And for what? I mean, I plan to search for an apartment in Atlanta, and if I secure a place, I will pack up things and just leave for good. I was tired of fighting life, and I needed a break from toxic people. I was fed up, and this last hoax was from the school. To prolong my degree was the last straw. This time I will create my own experience and stop trying to fight and remain in spaces that do not support my talents. I will find peace if it's the last thing I do. My passion for living in this city is gone. No other city has treated me as horribly as, and I will claim my dignity back before allowing Plessy to trap me any longer and turn me into a zombie like the rest of these sleepwalkers in this city. I must never forget that despite this, I am protected and favored by God, and that is what I care about. This is about my sanity, and I will not continue allowing others to dictate my trajectory. Two days before flying to Atlanta, I made up my mind that I would take the risk and search for my next home in Georgia. It has been hard trusting myself, but I was going with the desires and hopes, praying something worked out for me. The day before my flight, I took a stroll around Harlem, soaking up the environment, and I got a strong feeling that it was just time to change. Sitting at Central Park, I let go of any grudges that I may have pinned up over the semester, and I released it into the waterfall. No longer will I feel victimized and torn to pieces over the school's deception and manipulation. I can only assume the opportunity to go back to school afforded me a chance to see clearly to what I really needed, and I needed to trust myself. It was no longer about completing my degree, but this experience allowed me to eradicate hate for good out of my heart. I no longer thought people are innately innately evil, but my level of compassion has fully awakened me to the reality of my existence, to show love and focus on myself. I also realized that I was not quite ready to stop using substances. And this place is not a healthy way to go if I was to take my life and career seriously. But I have to let the disappointment of not finishing school go. I am so much stronger and I have learned a great deal in graduate school. And in my mind, I already have success for getting through two entire semesters. And that is more than valuable to me. Ten days later. While in Atlanta, I visited the Martin Luther King National Historic Park, and as I stood in front of the photos and the dedications to the late Dr. Martin Luther King, observing the bombings of the bus carrying an integrated group of activists, the King's defiance of an Alabama state court injunction against the demonstration in Birmingham leading to his arrest, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedoms, the King's Lincoln Memorial, I Have a Dream speech. I reflected with a shuddering Hart King's 1965 speech given in Selma, Alabama, where he says the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy." End quote. The tears welled in my eyes because I knew it spoke to my decision to keep on with the fight for my education. I came to Atlanta in hopes of escaping the suffering felt while living in New York. My struggle to feel validated and respected on a systemic level. I needed to escape and relax my spirit, even if it meant putting my education on pause. Something came over me while observing the many struggles blacks have had to endure, and the thought of quitting was never their option. I knew, though, it appeared I had a choice. The choice for progress was not my choice, so much as it was God's favor on my life. I had to ask myself, what is a man, and how do I want to be measured, and when should comfort and convenience be granted to a man? I did not want to give up on myself, and I became overwhelmed with the feelings of disappointing the blessing if I decided to drop out, but the time for change was now where I can go through life not having a war waged against me for every decision that I make. I know the school was trying to make it hard for me, and I was tired of asking why. But I know allowing this setback to discourage me would only reveal more weaknesses. I needed to strengthen my courage and will to keep going. When all hell is breaking loose, I needed to keep going. But my heart was tired, and what I originally desired for my life. What do you want, Cornelius? I continued my exploration at the Martin Luther King Historic Park, making a stop at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. As I sat at the front pew, I listened from the surround sound speakers, Dr. King's sermon, and the moment I asked God for the answer to what he wanted me to do. It was then that I overheard King say through the surround speakers, "'The means represents the seed, and the end represents the dream. "'The end justifies the means.'" End quote. After a few days, I failed a failed apartment searching and nearly being scammed out of money for a room by gay people. I realized I would not be able to find a place in a, such a short visit and I would more than likely need to go back to New York and continue fighting for my education. Though deep inside, I was aggravated because my heart would still had still wished to leave New York. I was grateful to have had an opportunity to come to Atlanta. I felt a sense of home and community and charm that never I had never felt in New York. I mean, I went to church. It reminded me of something of my young, of my young self sitting at the back of the pew, thinking of myself as a future pastor. <laughs> Every song played was a song that I had enjoyed from my youth. And I could not help but sense that God was speaking to me through the ministry of the choir as the tears ran down my weary face, knowing I would have to go back to keep fighting but I was filled with blessed new energy entering the Christmas holiday. I was anointed with oil on my forehead, and I felt assured God had guided me to that specific church to receive my healing. People in Atlanta knew how to treat me and were not too immoral to say good morning, a gesture that I had missed greatly. Atlanta, with its rich black culture and proud lineage, the home of MLK, the new black entertainment epicenter for black art and culture and Entrepreneurship and HBCUs like Clark Atlanta and Spellman and Morehouse. While in Atlanta, I had self-control to refrain from weed and pauper use and sex for the entire two weeks I was there. Two act, three activities I could not do without in New York, which signaled to me that my environment influenced a lot of my addictive behavior and not because I was not delivered. My hopes were finally to break all of my habits once and for all so that I am clear about my future goals. I desperately needed this trip to refresh my purpose, reestablish my cause, and reaffirm my will to never give up no matter what. Not even the threat of evil spirits that seek to cut my purpose short either by social humiliation or unexpected death can stop my purpose. But God is in control of the living and the dead, and when He is ready to take me off my mission, then it happens at His appointed time. Whether I am remembered or not arises from my own vanity for recognition and the desire to feel immortal. I believe doubt and confusion seeps in when we think that our ability to be remembered is jeopardized by forces beyond our control. I pray God removes the craving to feel immortal so that I am okay with being just me, endowed with the capacities given to me by God, who blesses my accomplishments and does not allow me to exceed that in which I am not yet ready, for that in which falls outside the line of dignity, grace, and a love of God. After a fantastic experience in Atlanta, I traveled back to New York, still feeling discontent with the prospect of staying in New York. A sense of dread lingered over me, and the thought of dealing with all the negativity in New York set in a feeling of despair, to ignore my heart for the sake of reaching the end when I was no longer sure if justified the seed. The means now outweighed the end, tipping the scale off the cliff to freefall to my doom. I had given up hope of being approved for an apartment. But a day after arriving back in New York, I received an approval for an apartment. I was sure God was in control because I had no proof of income, no job lined up, nor did I ask to to do a credit check, which saved me from being disapproved. This approval was very great news and affirmed my decision to finally leave New York and start my new life in Atlanta. I was ready for this change and I was not about to let chasing after a master's degree stop me from this prospect. I was going into 2020, feeling like a brand new man. That morning, before receiving the news, I awoke and took my usual stroll through Central Park. Walking through the woods and I had entered the woods, I felt I was breaking in an exquisite force field of energy that felt like I was walking into a vortex of love and peace, welcoming me back to a place of refuge. The deeper I went into the woods, my chest began to rise and the tears rose as I took the deep breath in to overcome the enormous weight felt. I knew this walk was like no other and that I was staring in the face of something new. With my days counting down, I would no longer be able to walk through Central Park, a place that I have been a source of my healing, strength and growth. Tears welled in my eyes as the drops reminded me of the pain and the triumph that I have been experienced. A decision was made in my heart and I would drop my classes and make the change once and for all, trusting myself, knowing myself, believing in the power that no matter what, I will never give up and I will always keep God first in my life as he is the all. God guides my steps and orders my mouth and with his creative power, maneuvering, guiding, nurturing me, licking my wounds when I fall to the ground and filling my lungs as I grasp for his breath. Central Park was more than a refuge, but a friend. So I wept for the good times. I wept for the times lost when I didn't know what I was experiencing in those moments of transformation. But those doubtful moments were a part of me as well. I was no longer angry with nature, where I once blamed nature for just standing back and watching me stare through a looking glass of of my destiny and me not being able to touch it. I was angry with my higher power, though I felt insignificant to it. I still believed that I was the emanation of its power, therefore I believed I was my own god. I created delusion, and the delusion was alive and breathing through me as a separate entity that melded into my spirit. Kindling a marriage An elopement of matrimony This felt more like an arranged marriage One I did not ask for Nor did I create the rules for I tasseled with myself Believing that my pain and suffering Was outside when It has been living and breathing Through me all alone Now I understand that I have different natures Of my, Natures of my being That wanted to express itself Through the process of evolution what was it that I needed to experience? Through the journey, I could not escape from my external circumstances, but it was orchestrated to teach me courage. Having a well organized life, I can be both brave in war because I have my honor, and honor is based on courage. Could courage be the star that lasts in the heavens? I surely did hope so. All I know is that I feel alive again. <laughs> I feel my heart beating out of my chest with life and appreciation for the lessons learned and gratitude for the things not earned. I danced joy joyously next to the waterfall, watching the falling water crash into the rocks beneath. My hands raised to the sky. I knew that I was shining bright and confidently because I had created my diamond. All that was required was action. Madonna says in the song Jump, there is only so much you can learn in one place. The more time that you wait, the more time that you waste. End quote. Life for me had played out like a narrative story being suggested in my ear, influencing my behavior as the words are written in the stars scattered across the cosmos. If love be my armor, there is no way I can Im- I cannot make it to the next phase. My decision to drop my classes was definite and a decision I was proud of myself for making because for once I had made a definite decision over the course of where I saw my life moving. And it was not guided by certainty, a sure way of knowing what the outcome would be, but motivated by the sheer desire for change. And that takes courage if I was ever to carry it out. When I think about the power of forgiveness, it is almost like forgiving, forgetting which is why I'm grateful for what God put in me through through, because I know now that he did not want this to last very long, but he designed it to be temporary. And through the power of letting go, I become brand new as if it had never happened. The next morning, I felt an angel dancing on my bed. At first, I thought I was dreaming in my sleep, but I realized I was able to open my eyes. So I waited to see how close it would come to me. I felt its steps pressing down on the mattress next to me. I knew a presence was in bed with me and it was not there to harm me, but because I had come to the truth of who I was. I walked to the park and I spent time walking through the trails, talking to God. I was confident that something radical was occurring on the inside of me and I had committed to attempting sobriety when I finally settled in Georgia. I wanted to free myself from the attachments of sex, drugs, and alcohol. The irony of the moment of clarity was apparent as I stood by the waterfall gazing down next to the stones below, a place that I had visited time and time again. I mean, I looked down and written on a stone in chalk was written, free me. I knew it was a confirmation from God that my thoughts were matching up with my heart. This revelation excited me with wonder because the Lord appears so wonderful in this moment. I had experienced what it was to be like Abraham, who was known for the depth of his faith. I had been torn from everything familiar and convenient and thrust into a world beyond my wildest imaginations with nothing more than the purpose of God showing me that he can do all great things through me if I trust in him and cooperate with him. If I am truly honest, after all my questions to God, I still feel scared to be completely sober. That is why a uh, change in my environment is so crucial because it would allow me to create a new identity, one that is filled with beauty and love and valuing, and consummating reconstruction, by rediscovery. It dawned on me that I had experienced the ultimate measure of challenge and controversy and the goal was not to get to the end having achieved any tangible reward but to overcome the intangible war waging in my mind and now the battle is won and there is no more war within, only light, repose and victory. This too did pass and I will walk into the year 2020 finally choosing to be free. Okay, now we're talking eight months later. I ran a hot bath and lit a pumpkin candle to set the mood and sunk my tired body down into the water, allowing the water to cover me as I laid there, thinking of nothing. Twenty minutes, I stepped out of the tub, dried myself off and Moistened my body with shea butter Mixed with castor and sweet almond essential oils I walked over to the window of my new apartment And stood peering out of my new view The lights from the high-rise condos being developed Glistening like the Eiffel Tower Cypress trees lined in a single row in front of my window Feeling the fall breeze across my neck skin I thought of that loyal and faithful friend Who, I, who had got me to this place of peace Where I could finally rest As the tears streamed down my face And Whitney Houston's song I love the Lord played in the background All I could say was just Thank you to the creator Thank you for hearing my cry Thank you for putting a song back Into my heart A pep in my step A reason to drive on I wake up each morning and go to the gym I bought a bicycle to increase my cardio I improve my diet with juicing My fruits and vegetables I meditate with chakra healing stones for 30 minutes a day and to help stabilize me i can now go weeks without touching alcohol and weed and i no longer find pleasure in bars but spend time doing things in nature going to the park all of life's mishaps have shaped my habits to where i have no choice but to change in the book in the realm of hungry ghosts gabor mate writes of addiction addiction really isn't over until I can see the emptiness of the behavior. Not good, not evil, and certainly not exciting. <laughs> Just an outside thing I've been using unintelligently to dull the suffering edges of life. I say unintelligently because no addiction in the history of the world ever alleviated more suffering than it ended up causing. End quote. Would I ever stop chasing after pleasure, now that I was better able to manage my life, Being that I was in a safer environment In those cases where I feel like having a drink The unsolicited request for tranquility now beckons more constructive endeavors Such as reading a book or writing my own And this suffices to allow the unpleasant emotions to pass over me like a pregnant cloud Getting ready to burst open its belly with deceptive enchantments (laughs) Now that denial is no longer there I decided to be 100% compliant with my psychiatrist and then I started back taking medications to regulate my unpleasant symptoms so that I was available to find new purpose in my life. And this is surrender allows me to think before I act on my helpless impulses to binge instead on substances. With prayer and steadfastness, I hope to be delivered from depression and medications for good. Beneath the craving for mind-altering substances, there was always a longing for intimacy and love to be seen and understood. Now that I am away from the stresses of the big city, I am finally able to receive them, no longer tolerating any, anyone trying to diminish the value that I have found in myself. With this fresh new start, I want to do right by the promise. The promise revealed to me that God would never leave me nor forsake me and he will be there till the end whether I choose to stay sober or not. My spirit guides visit me at my window each morning, rejoicing and celebrating this moment with me as I thank God for each day. I am alive and breathing, I can decide now which path I take. And I can go as slow or fast as inspiration allows. But for now, I think I would just hit the cruise button. And then I'd leave my dreams behind to come to Atlanta to be perfect. But I came to be better than I was. It was time for me to visit the man who had been in the vein of my existence. The man who seemed to abandon me in his heart for reasons that were so too generational to understand. But I was in a better place to face my father and show him how God operated Opened my path for a new way of living I had no reason to be hurt Or angry from the past I only wanted to forge a relationship With the man who was absent for most of my life As I looked into his Heavy laden eyes filled with Remorse Apology and retribution I knew that I was in a better place Because I was able to present To be present And nothing was going to take my newfound Joy away We laughed about the past and the good times that we shared when I was a boy. He was deeply sorry for how life had turned out for us apart, and I let him know that no one really predicts life's unfortunate circumstances, but it is this, what we do from here on out, that makes it count. Our meeting was amiable and in good spirit he was mournful by how his childhood turned out and deeply regretted how his father had treated him. And then he promised not to make the same mistake. He told me that he was proud of me and for getting an education and that he loved me. I accepted his apology for not being in my life. And I did not did more listening than talking because for me, it was not about making him feel bad for the way things turned out. I saw a shift in his attitude toward me, which was a miracle. God was finally forging a bond I had longed for for years with my father, and I was grateful to be his son when so many sons are not in their father's lives. With patience and fortitude, life has truly come full circle. And then I went back to Atlanta with my heart filled after reuniting with the rest of my family in Arkansas, who showered me with all the love and affection one could hold. We truly need our family in our lives, whether they be blood relatives or family that we create. I understand the importance of not allowing ego and personality or resentment to come in between the support one receives from those family ties. I was in a different—I was a different man, and it was reflected by how my family treated me, and that was all I needed. All alone, in the end, family is all we have, and God proved this by stripping me away from everything and everyone I knew, so that I never take it for granted again. And as for love life. <laughs> I found a man I could share all the passion, understanding, and mutual respect for. But like me, he was a weed addict, and I found myself smoking more weed than I did in New York. It was then that I knew I, did it. I needed to make a drastic change. I would be sealing the fate of an unendurable future. This set in the frightening apprehension that I would never be true to myself if I did not put my put me first and focus on my healing. Subtly, I realized my desire to quit altogether was connected to my destiny. The relationship I precariously tried to maintain became became only a disguise to flee from the truth. So I had to walk away from Mr. Wright in order to engage my possibilities. God was answering all my prayers according to the degree of my attention to life. If I continued to exert myself to live, taking initiative, driving my life toward consciousness. Then I am free to work out my own salvation. Eddie Glaude writes in a shade of blue, but what is at stake here is not only what kind of person we will become, but what kind of world is in the making. End quote. He continues, we must look to the tragedy, tragedy of our moral experience squarely in the face, and with little certainty as to the outcome. Humbly act to make a better world for ourselves and our children, End quote. This is my thank you note to God. Thank you for helping me to be comfortable with confessing my sins. Thank you for grabbing me. Thank you for making me intentional, endowing me with moderate sensibilities. Thank you for making me thoughtful to better inward health. Thank you for being revelational in my life. Thank you for giving me the knack for writing and to honor the urge by recollecting what I had already knew but had been forgotten. Thank you for having the final say. Thank you for enabling me to be a lover of wisdom, establishing law that will forever be etched in my heart. And with my eyes glaring up in the night sky, I know that it was all you. And I just want to say... Thank you. (laughs) The end. Thank you guys for listening. It was such a pleasure and a joy. Thank you for walking with me through this journey. Goodbye.